welcome. You are tuning in to Around the Table with a Judges podcast presented by Property Guru, Property Report, the official magazine of Asia Property Awards and Asia Real Estate Summit. This episode is brought to you by Powder Life, the official media partner of Property Guru Asia Property Awards, Greater Niseko. Now in this special series, you will meet the notable names behind our independent panel of judges across our 14 awards markets in 12 countries. Together, we will dive into the nitty gritty of the judging process and figure out why they are the most deserving to judge leading industry players. Hello everyone, and thank you for joining us for the final episode of our judges podcast. This has been Tina Ryan, your host throughout the series. And for our finale, you will meet the honorable judges of the 2022 edition of the Property Guru Asia Property Awards Australia and Property Guru Asia Property Awards Greater Niseko. To begin, we kindly ask our judges to introduce yourselves, starting with Greater Niseko, followed by Australia. Uh, hi, my name is Bill Barnett. I'm the managing director of C9 Hotel Works. We're frequent consulting group to Niseko, and we've been working in that market for a very long time. So we're pleased to join the session today. Thank you. Hi, I'm Louis Violanti. I'm a regional manager at Habit. I, we're one of 22 offices around the world, and we specialize in facade consultancy. I'm also a registered architect, and I'm also on a council review panels too. In Perth. Oh, hello, everyone. My name is Benson Zoe. I'm the director of the CBD um, and Metropolitan Sales Team, State Head of Asian Markets here in Melbourne. Hey, hi. My name is uh, Eddie Gilmes. I'm the CEO of Midori No Key or MNK Niseko. I've been a developer, investor, uh, property owner in Niseko for over 15 years. Um, prior to that, I was an investment banker in Asia and the US. Um, and um, I've been a judge on these panels for the last two years. Hi, uh, my name is Jessica Liu from Class Architecture. I'm one of the um, directors in Melbourne. Um, Class Architecture has um, eight offices around Australia and New Zealand. And we do a lot of work in the, um, from master planning all the way to interior designing across a lot of the sectors. And um, we are a passionate bunch of architects and designers, and um, we love to help clients with solving a lot of problems any design issues so thank you thank you judges and now for the first question before we talk about the process can you clarify to our viewers and listeners in the simplest way possible what is it what is your role as a judge of the program louis would you like to go first i'll go first yes uh the role of myself and the rest of the judges and i'll speak for australia as well as in the same here is to actually review all the entrants as they come in in each one of the categories and actually start a discourse between us to see the merits of each design as be it just the design or as the view of the developer and what the merits are. So we look at all those categories and then we sort of analyze the pros and cons of each development and the viability and the profitability as well on the developer side. So quite integral. Um, it's quite interesting when we get together and actually start actually talking about the projects and the the interrogation we do is quite intense sometimes. So it's very important. Thank you, Louis. Bill? 
I think something we look at is certainly we have a lot of experience on the ground. So we look at numbers, but we also try to get inside the numbers and understand from a development standpoint, highest and best use. We also look at the quality of the developer, developer reputation. I think that's also important. And these are also manifested later on at you know, sales pace and everything else, because good developers continue to sell product in different projects as well. So I think again, we you know after a lot of working after a lot of years, we understand uh, you know a lot of elements in the market that go beyond the numbers. I, I, I can add something as well. So with my expertise, um, it's important to have the right product in for the right market because we know what's what's the most suitable um, product, and and that to me it's very important, it's especially for the changing market. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna be on top of your game. You're gonna be adapting the changes, um, and be eventually to be weighing, you know, financially, you know. Yeah, I, I would like to add that um, you know, from my perspective, one of the things that I like to look at is the fit with the development into the community. You know, what effort has been done to to be. Um, integrated into, into the community, both from a physical point of view, but just also the software, you know, what connections has a developer made, how much time and effort have they taken to make sure, particularly in Niseko, where you have a lot of uh, foreign or overseas developers coming into a Japanese market, I've seen um, situations where, yeah, it's, it, it's tricky. And so that's kind of important to me. It gives everyone um, a better reputation with the town and the stakeholders when developers make an effort to fit in. So um, as an architect, I think as a, and a judge at the same time, it's um, we have seen a lot of like the front end all the way to the back end of a project, the life of a project. So um, the judging process um, will greatly benefit from that kind of um, knowledge and the entries like what Louis was saying that are actually um, critically reviewing them and we also based on um, reviewing them based on the evaluation criteria and the outcome we wanted is fair and meritocratic um, and it must have great design so that's that's why I'm here. Mm. Tin, if I can just jump in again just to summarize all that it's just critical what we're seeing in this group is that we're looking at projects from all different angles from the architectural aesthetics and design to the value for money to how it fits in its sense of place how it fits in its environment and then the value and the, and the actual outputs it can produce back into the community so that's what's very important about all the judges together not just individually together we make such a big big statement Thank you. I think maybe just maybe can I jump in also. You know what Eddie said was really important because you know real estate's not there for a day, a week, or a month. It's going to be there for a lifetime. And I, I think the sense of place in the neighborhood. You know, again, we're not just looking who sold the fastest or who sold the best, but there has to be a sense of place. It has to reflect the culture of where you are. It has to fit into the community, and that's also an intangible, which is very important in this process. Wonderful. Now, as our independent panel of judges, you have been entrusted to uphold the credibility, fairness, and transparency of the program. So how do you ensure with your connection with industry leaders that all candidates are judged without bias? I like to go first. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there are a lot of different types of conscious and unconscious biases 
that anyone or everyone can easily fall into the trap of. Um, but with the setup of this diverse group of highly qualified professionals, it means that we are very well equipped to question each other's assessment to form a fair conclusion. Yeah, I agree. That's well said because uh, it's impossible to rid yourself completely of bias. We're all creatures of our own experience. So yeah, I think having a diverse group is, is very helpful and it's unlikely that anyone on the group is going to be influenced by one one person and we all want to do the best job possible. So I don't think anyone wants to be associated with um, favoritism in that way. I think one thing is also the judges, you know, ourselves, we're professional consultants. We're dispassionate about oh, who is behind the project. We're looking at things on their individual merits and saying, what is the best project? So again, we're viewing it through a different lens as professional advisors as well. Benson or Louie, would you like to add anything to that before I move to the next question? Uh, I think it's been, I think it's been summarized by the group. I mean, we've all got a certain sort of like uh, lenses we look through, but from my three years of being on this panel, these panels, uh, the, uh, the, the, the probity of the, of the, of the judges has been utmost important. So I can't see anything apart from that. So if anything, the, what gets teased out of all the discussions actually brings you more into a project that things you wouldn't even know about. So I think, no, it's, it's very good. Mm. And I think I think it's very important with with a, a diversified group. We all got a different expertise, skill sets. The it's, I think we have pretty much we got about ten of us on the judge panel. So the result won't be affected by one person. So it's going to be a, lots of credibilities remaining here with the end result. Now, during the voting period, has there ever been a situation where you found yourselves torn between two contenders? How do you end up making the final decision? Oh. <laughs> I'll jump in because that's a really that's a, that happens, um, especially when we get the finals and we're all sitting the, the chairpersons or chairpeople of the get together, and it gets down to maybe two projects that are very close together, and the amount of discussion and sometimes arguing and defending certain criteria of the project is is scrutinised to the nth degree. It really gets strong. So no, it's 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 not fun, but it seems to happen quite often actually that we filter down to a few very quickly, and then the real discussion happens. I think we view competitive tension really good because that means it's a strong market. You've got strong products. I view that absolutely as a great thing because you've got people fighting for the right project and viewing their views again. At the end of the day, everybody's a professional. The, the panel is getting together and, and expressing this, but they've reached a conclusion together. And I think that's the main thing. It's a democratic process. It works through that. There's not one person which is weighing in and saying, this has to be this way, but competition is good. And further to that, I think every single development is an artwork and it's an art piece. So we're putting lots of respect on every single one of them. There's no good or bad. It's just whether that's the best fit for that category. Yeah, I agree. I think having a consistent approach in how you look at um, developments across a category is, is kind of what is my North Star or how I look at things. I just try and be consistent with, with each one. and. You'll, you'll form an opinion and like, you know, Bill's mentioned, then, then you kind of duke it out at the end and uh, you vote and it's democratic and all the projects are, are generally amazing. So, you know, it's the, 
it's the best choice, really. Now you have all been appointed because of, your, because of your expertise in your respective fields. So you must already have so much on your plates from the awards. So can you please share uh, with us why you do your volunteer time for free? I'll, I'll start first, I guess. Um, I first came across a property guru over 10 years ago um, and has been observing its progression over the years. So I respect the power of the platform and how it can propagate knowledge to the general public. And when I was um, invited, I did not hesitate to be part of the Poverty Guru's journey. Um, it is not just an, an, an award for the team involved, um, but I think it's also an award for the education of the people. So I think it's, it's, it's amazing to be part of it. Mm. Feel free to jump in guys. I think something certainly, you know, you know, we're passionate about what we do. I do my job for free. If you want to put something back in your industry, it's something you'll give for free because you want to teach people. We always pay it forward and say we want to give something back to the industry. And I think that's the amazing thing about real estate and this process is people love it. And, uh, you know, again, we're putting it out there because we want to grow the industry and we also want to grow other people's careers. And, and that's most important to us, paying it forward. Amazing, Bill. Oh, sorry, you got Eddie. Uh, oh, well, well, I was going to say, I'll be honest, I'm doing this because of my relationship with Bill. Um, <laughs> he's taught me the virtues of giving. Like, I asked Bill, I said, well, why do you do this? And he said, look, you, you have to give back. This industry has given so much to us. You know, share your knowledge, um, be generous with your time. And, and these things kind of tend to reward themselves in the end. So I, I appreciate that approach from Bill. And yeah, I've, I've enjoyed my time um, with the panel. From my side, no, thanks, Eddie. It's a privilege for me. This is my fourth year now in, in the awards. I see it because because our office, our, our company has offices, 20 offices, a lot in Southeast Asia. I, I think that the actual cross-pollination of projects between our northern neighbours and us in Australia is very important. And this sharing of knowledge, as what Bill said and, and what Eddie said, is very important for designers, developers. So we can see the best of the best in different regions. And that information gets shared to different sort of different sort of sectors. It's very important. So I feel privileged to be an ambassador to share, share that information. Hmm. Um, lastly, I was just gonna say, well, for my role, um, obviously we does a high volume of transactions. We don't just wipe our hand up, we sold the property, right? So we, I actually like to stay out because for me and the relationship I have with all my developers um, are very, very long term. Um, I can see how much time and effort they put in in terms of planning and construction, you know, um, and everything with, with the end product. It's like their baby. So I want to be involved in part of the journey um, to put that project onto the Asia Pack platform and actually let more people in Asia Pack to see our Australian product, our Australian architect, our Australian building. So I think that's very meaningful to me. Thank you, Benson. Now let us talk about the highly anticipated gala celebrations. In both your markets, we will be rewarding developments that prioritize the environment. So when we say green or eco-friendly, what features, amenities are you looking for in a development? Um, I'll start first. Both um, Melbourne and Sydney mayors um, have signed up to this um, C40 cities to act on the climate change by 2030. 
So personally and as an architect professional, I will be looking for buildings that deploy some of the accelerators and network strategy. For example, zero carbon buildings, net zero, um, towards zero waste, food system networks and water security networks and etc. Um, to move towards that climate change target. So that's quite crucial for me. I think something we're looking at certainly is the long-term user. What's the impact of the environment on the users in terms of electricity, in terms of water usage, other things? So how how livable is the uh, real estate also, but what is the impact later on of the environment? Not just one-off in terms of the correct building materials and design and everything else, but what are the, what's the ongoing implications to the environment? So we do take a long-term view of the real estate as well and say what makes sense and what's really saving energy later on. How is the user benefiting from this and how is the community as well? So I think there's a lot of different factors, but it's one of the most important things we do and I think it's a really critical area. Yeah, just to build on that, Bill, uh, one of the things that I look at is, again, the, the impact on the physical environment. So, you know, there's obviously energy usage, but, you know, in a small town like Naseko, unlike the, the big cities, like traffic is a problem. You know, where is the development located relative to the ski resort? And so, you know, the care and attention that's that's placed on those resources, not, not only just, just traffic, but then again, you know, snow clearing and, and, you know, the public transportation system. So in addition to obviously being energy efficient, we look at how efficient is the building in its physical uh, space. Um, from our side, I put my architect's hat on now, it's a bit like uh, Jessica was talking about. In construction is quite energy consumptive. It's one of the biggest greenhouse consumers in, in the world. So. We look at materials nowadays like carbon capture, facades which are actually biodegradable, uh, long-term sort of visions of how we can look forward for our next generations to come forward. So uh, all of us now is incumbent upon looking at how we can make buildings more sustainable and how we can give back to the grids, give back to our water supplies. We have net on all things. So it's very important now and I think the whole industry from developers to construction, to designers and to fabricators, we're all going in that direction. So we all know our path to take, so it's very important. Okay, we're down to our last two questions. Now, I'm sure our audience are curious to know, seeing as the renowned ski resort market, Greater Niseko has been among the most affected by the year's long border closure. How have the operators adapted without tourists? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to take that one. It's 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 an interesting setup. Um, international tourism is obviously uh, hasn't been allowed for the last couple of years, but some operators, uh, my company included, uh, we've been catering to domestic tourists for for many years. So when the pandemic hit and shut out our overseas friends. We pivoted to the domestic market, but we had already had a foothold there. And you know, Japan is not a small country. The 120 million plus people here. Um, we've just had our largest ever uh, accommodation uh, bookings this summer in the middle of the pandemic with no, with no international tourism. Um, and that's because domestic travelers love Hokkaido. They love Niseko. Um, they find it a little bit more approachable in the, in the summer than, than the winter when there are, um, you know, a lot more choices for, for Japanese. 
So the pivot to the domestic market has really saved us and, and a few other companies. Uh, and um, yeah, we can't wait for the borders to open and welcome you all back. I think jumping on that with Eddie, I mean, more than 50% of annual visitors to Niseko come during the summer months and they're Japanese and people overlook that. And again, uh, Niseko is no different than other markets in Asia Pacific, which have pivoted to domestic markets during this time and domestic buyers. And even when we go back to some of the, you know, we've seen Japanese domestic buyers now active in Niseko for the last few years. You know, the Hyatt projects, certainly the Park Hyatt, sort of attracted many buyers as well. So I think it, it's a logical pivot and it's become vital, but more, more important, I think it's there's a platform for recovery and pent up demand coming out. So it's a really exciting time going forward too as well. Thank you, Bill. As for Australia, the property prices have been declining. Uh, would you say that this is a buyer's market and should foreign investors take note of this? Hey, Tina, can, back to the last question, can I ask a question to Eddie? Bill. So I was reading a financial review yesterday. Um, so I'm a ski lover on behalf of so many millions of Australian ski lovers. You know, a lot of them has booked the accommodation in Japan <laughs> for this snow season, but your border is closed. Do you foresee the border will reopen before the snow season coming? Personally, yes, I, I do think that there's a there's a good chance. There's been news the last couple of days about them allowing uh, tourists in without joining a tour group. Okay, so that would make it a little bit easier. However, they're still going to require the visa, uh, a visa for um, entry, which will limit the numbers. Um, but generally, the way Japan has opened up in the past is, you know, they a news story comes out about what they're planning to do. Then you see a small change in the government, and then they typically follow through in the next couple of months. None of that, you know, COVID case counts or other domestic politics could get in the way. But we're planning, you know, we're planning to be open by by Christmas. Um, it could be delayed a little bit later. Some people are talking about maybe after maybe Chinese New Year timeframe or January, um, you know, to to coincide with potentially China opening up for travel, but. Look, we're 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 open for business and obviously being accommodating if people can't make it, you know, with refunding people. But yeah, we expect things to be open. Good on you. Thank so, you, Benson, for that question. Now, going back to Australia, would you like me to repeat the question again? Is it a buyer's market now that the prices are declining? Who would like to go first? I'll let the East Coast people talk first because it's slightly different East versus West than it's like East Coast. Yeah. No, I can. I, that's that's a question I've been asked all the time. I don't. I don't usually use the word of buyer market or vendor's market because people always say that. It, it, it the market is, it is what it is. You know, it's a it's a it's a market, it's a housing market, uh, especially in Australia. I think people find our market is really resilient. Um, the recovery is really healthy after the lockdown situation is over. Um, so it's a good market. There's nothing wrong with the market at the moment. Yeah. Jessica? Um, well, personally, I think that like the, on the residential side of things, um, it is a bias market, definitely. Um, pricing have slightly come down a little bit. And um, I think I'll quote Warren Buffett, you know, don't pass up something that's attractive today because you think you find something better tomorrow. So just buy when you think that it's good. In, in addition to that, um, I had a seminar with a Westpac bank in two weeks ago, 
the prediction prediction is actually in the next six to 12 months will actually be the best timing to buy. Um, on my side of the world, um, our economy is still very strong post COVID. Uh, we didn't sort of have the lockdowns as bad as a lot of other places. Um, so from what I see, construction costs are very high. Um, real estate costs are still quite high. Benz are probably has different poles better than I do. But um, no, the market hasn't slowed down here at all. So we're probably behind the use case maybe by a year or two anyway. So. Thank you, Louis. And now before we end this episode, may we have our chairpersons invite our leading developers and designers to participate in the 2022 edition of the Property Guru Asia Property Awards, Australia and Asia Property Awards, Greater Niseko. So for the Property Awards, we want you, please come, please engage and please participate. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. That's great. I'm the same. I can't wait to see all the entrants and go through the judging and to see the finalists at the gala. It's amazing, amazing event. So we can't wait to see you all there. And I'll be up celebrating with every winner there at the night. Thank you, chairpersons. And once again, our deepest appreciation to all our judges for generously devoting your time and expertise to our awards program. And we would like also to remind everyone that nominations are open until the 23rd of September for Greater Niseko and the 30th of September for Australia. So make sure that you send in your entries on time. Submissions are accepted at asiapropertyawards.com. Special shout out to our partners this year, official channel partner, History. Official PR partner for Australia, Good Talent Public Relations. Media partner for Australia, Your Investment Property. Media partner for Greater Niseko, Powder Life. Supporting Association for Greater Niseko, Niseko Tourism. Official ESG partner, Bondec Foundation. Official magazine, Property Guru, Property Report. Official supervisor, HLV. There you have it, the distinguished judging panel of the 2022 Property Guru Asia Property Awards, Australia and Property Guru Asia Property Awards, Greater Niseko. Once again, thank you for joining in this special episode brought to you by Powder Life, the official media partner of Property Guru Asia Property Awards, Greater Niseko.